السلام علیکم اشد اللہ اللہ وحدہ لا شریک اللہ واشد ون محمد نبدہ رسول امباد فاؤز بلّہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم و من احسن اللہ و عمل صالح و قال انی من المسلمین And who is better in speech than he who invites men to Allah and does good works and says, I am surely of those who submit. In God we trust. We pass by this phrase hundreds of times a day. We read this motto of America every time we pull out a quarter to pay for parking. But what does it truly represent? Do we really trust in God? The truth is that people barely believe in God. Just turn on the news and immediately you're flooded with all kinds of chaos, all kinds of negativity, all kinds of moral degradation. And this is very similar to the condition of Arabia before the advent of our master prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. When he saw this chaos, he found happiness in seeking refuge in a cave so he could remember Allah. And then Allah commissioned him to take this newfound spiritual connection and share it with the rest of the world. And so his happiness, his source of happiness, it transformed into something far greater, seeing all of humankind connect with God. This became the light of Islam that spread over the entire world. And this light of Islam is what is a cure that America direly needs today. It's a remedy that will help inspire peace in our homes, peace in our neighborhoods, peace in our cities. It's a spiritual healing that will establish justice. It will bring about the same social harmony that was seen at the time of our Holy Prophet Muhammad But for this transformation to occur again, we must be ready to sacrifice and we must be ready to render our services wherever needed. And the Holy Quran speaks about a system of sacrifice known as life devotion in Surah Tawbah, verse 122. Allah Almighty says, it is not possible for the believers to go forth all together. Why then does not a party from every section of them go forth so that they may become well-versed in religion and that they may warn their people when they return to them so that they may guard against evil? Here the Quran commands a section of us to go and learn the religion and return to the people to warn and guide them. Now Islam Ahmadiyyat, that continuation of that sacred and time-old mission given to the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, 
has now exclusively inherited this system of sacrifice in this day and age. Look around you. Nearly 10,000 of us Ahmadi Muslims have gathered from across the country, around the world, so we could devote our time, we could devote our energy, all for the sake of remembering Allah. While the rest of the city and the rest of the nation is unaware and asleep. But even from among us, there is another group of those who burn, who, whose hearts burn for a greater passion, who will step up for an even greater sacrifice. They will sacrifice their entire lives. These are our waqfi zindagi, our life devotees. Just imagine how the world perceives them. The world cannot even fathom why anybody would give up a life of pleasure for a life of devotion, a life of obedience. And it reminds me of a hadith regarding Hazrat Abu Huraira He was one of the early adopters of this life of waqf. And the story goes that one day Abu Huraira's brother comes to the Holy Prophet Muhammad to beseech his help. And he tells him that he is frustrated with his brother Abu Huraira. And he is tired of supporting him financially. And he says, O Rasulullah, tell Abu Huraira to earn some money on his own. What is this that he remains in the mosque doing nothing? Our Holy Prophet Muhammad so beautifully replied. He says, what do you know that perhaps because of him, God has provided for you? So I ask you now, after everything, between Hazrat Abu Huraira and his brother, who has more significance today? Did you even know that Abu Huraira had a brother? Do you know his name or what he did for a living? See, the fact is that the world sees a life of a waqf as very insignificant, as insignificant as a pebble. But if you throw a pebble into a pond, the ripples of the effect of that pebble will reach the corners of that pond. And this is how insignificant the work of Abu Huraira seemed to his brother, like a pebble. But in reality, his impact rippled throughout time and is still felt today whenever a hadith is recited, narrated by Abu Huraira. And this is exactly how the world sees the life of a waqf And yet these life devotees, they continue to serve, they continue to devote their lives for a greater cause, for a greater goal to spread the light of Islam. And so I would start today by introducing the very first missionary who was commissioned at the time of our master prophet Muhammad His name was Hazrat Musab bin Umair and before I talk about his contribution to Islam, I want you to know who he was before he devoted his life. And it's not the classic rags to riches story. In fact, it's quite opposite. 
It's more like riches to rags, all for the sake of God. He was known as one of the most handsomest men of all of Arabia. He was unbelievably wealthy and incredibly adored by his loved ones and his family. And yet the day he entered Darul Arkham, he walked away from all of the praise, all of the luxury that he enjoyed. And he in fact willingly accepted a life of difficulty, a life of pain, and a life of persecution. One day he came and sat next to the Holy Prophet Muhammad وسلم, dressed in all rags. The Prophet began to say, I have seen Musab at a time when there was no one more affluent than him in the city of Mecca. He was the most beloved child of his parents and he was provided with all the best things to eat and drink. But his love for the Messenger of Allah brought him to these circumstances and he sacrificed it all for the pleasure of God Almighty. This is the same Musab bin Umair who went to a small town known as Yathrib and began preaching to the people there about Islam. And the people began to slowly accept Islam and eventually even offered shelter for the Prophet Muhammad And yes, you're right, this small town of Yathrib is now known today as Medina. Hazrat Musa bin Umair's life was such that he did not have the opportunity or the ability to live long enough to witness with his own eyes the victory of Islam or the eventual success of his labor. And yet during his last moments on earth, he stood holding the flag of Islam, literally, not figuratively. He is that companion who during the Battle of Uhud was holding the flag of Islam and when the enemy attacked him and cut off his right hand, he quickly held the flag of Islam with his left. And when he was attacked again, he held the flag of Islam with what remained of his arms to his chest. The enemy absolutely frustrated. They reverted to using a spear and pierced it through his chest, causing him to be martyred while unfailingly holding on to the flag of Islam until his last dying breath. And when the time came to bury him, there wasn't enough cloth to cover him from head to toe. Leaving the companions to cover his head with the cloth and his feet with grass. This is the raw and bare essence of what a life of a waqf zindagi is. Just nearly 15 years ago, we can fast forward, and we see the same spirit of defending Islam at all costs repeated. When a mob came to destroy one of our mosques in Bangladesh, on the one side, there was nearly 10,000 angry and lost souls who sought nothing but to destroy a house of God. And on the other stood seven rows of Ahmadi Muslims ready to lay down their lives to defend this mosque. At their front, our missionaries stood very firmly, 
while the biased police try to mediate between the mob and the Ahmadi Muslims. Our missionaries stepped forward and began to say, before you can reach our mosque to destroy it, you have to walk over my dead body. I won't let this happen as long as I am alive. You cannot snatch my belief of La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah. The missionary continued. He said, you have an option, open fire. We are ready to give our lives for the kalima. If you have the courage to write history here today, then do it. But you will have to walk over my dead body. Make my body disappear so no one can find a single trace. Even then, Ahmadiyat is the truth. On that day, when faced with a horde of thousands crying for destruction, a police force unwilling to keep the peace, backed by rows of Ahmadis ready to give down, lay down their lives, our missionary raised his voice and everyone was overcome by their common humanity and they were forced to listen. On that day, God saved the Jamaat and his chosen servants once again. And since then, the light of Islam has penetrated countless more souls in Bangladesh. Now, unlike these countries where freedom of religion is hard to reach, we here in America, we fully enjoy our freedoms. This is why in America, Islam has spread like no other religion. And yet the great tragedy is that America is continuously running towards or being strayed more and more towards a lack of the belief in God. Even our founding fathers, even they scratched at the surface of the belief in God with famous words such as, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But unfortunately, America is continuously running towards all kinds of useless and temporary pursuits Nowadays, it takes one young YouTuber eating Tide Pods to make or convince others to eat detergent. That's completely outrageous. That is why we must step up to sacrifice our time, sacrifice our energy, and sacrifice our lives so that we can spread the message of Islam, we can help people connect with God, and finally, so they can trust in God. I wish to share a story, in fact, about trust in God that was seen a hundred years ago here in the United States of America. A man set off sail across the world for the purpose of spreading the light of Islam. When he arrived here in the United States, he was confronted with hostility and denied entry. He is, of course, none other than Hazrat Mufti Muhammad Sadiq.
In his memoirs, he mentions how the inspection officers or the immigration officers, they saw his request to preach Islam in the United States and they decided they didn't want anything to do with this. So they allowed all the other passengers to pass by and then gave him a simple option. They said, either you can return on the same ship you came or you can choose imprisonment and wait for the president himself to decide your fate. Hazrat Mufti Muhammad Sadiq he replied very courageously. He said, I am not going back for my Khalifa has ordered me to go to the United States of America and preach the message of Islam. Many souls are waiting for my arrival to be guided on the right path. The officers did not understand what he was saying and they insisted on the options, the two options. Mufti Muhammad Sadiq bravely chose imprisonment to fulfill the wishes and desires of his Khalifa. And during the six weeks that he was in the detention center, he continued to preach and continued to share the message of Islam and he saw many join Islam from among those who were detained. When the Khalifa became aware of this situation from the small town of Qadian, just shy of a hundred years ago, he said that they will not be able to stop Islam from entering America. And then he says, I hope the day would come when all of America will sing the words, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. There is none worthy of worship except Allah and Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is his messenger. And he says, and that day will certainly come. The same devotion to spread the light of Islam has been repeated through many souls in our brief history. At the behest of our Khalifa, they would enter new lands and new places to share the message of Islam. Nazir Ahmad Ali, a renowned missionary, was heading back with his family to Sierra Leone. As he traveled across Africa, he arrived at a port and was about to board a ship. During the inspection process, he was denied entry to board the ship because his son was sick. And they said if he were to die during the journey, there was no cold storage and therefore his lifeless body would be thrown overboard. Nazir Ahmad Ali says to his wife who was weeping that there is no other ships to come and our Khalifa has asked us to go. Therefore, we must board this ship. And then turn to the inspection officer and says, if my son dies, throw him overboard. And insisted that he would board that ship. That son, he safely made that short journey. And later, in fact, God blessed him further and he himself devoted his life for the sake of Islam and became a missionary. This is our dear Mubarak Ahmad Nazir Sahib. Nah,
Similarly, Ahmadi Muslims, they continue the mission of serving as waqfi zindagi, as life devotees across the world, whether they're in the bushes of Ghana, healing the sick, or they're in remote islands, taking care of abandoned children, or they are in cities like Morogoro, spending hours buried in books doing translation work. They serve at the behest of their Khalifa for a greater purpose and a greater sacrifice. But beyond these stalwarts, I wish to appeal to you today to consider spreading the light of Islam by becoming the Musab bin Umairs of today and to yearn to become the Mufti Muhammad Sadiqs of today. This is why I urge everyone to look at the bigger picture. And I understand that sometimes it's hard to see past the day-to-day -day hustle. Sometimes we're just stumbling through school to get a career that our moms can show off to their auntie friends. And later when you begin working, just getting through the month with all your bills paid is sometimes very difficult in all that you can manage. But when asked about his life, the promised Messiah salam, very beautifully said, in reality, a happy and blessed life is that life which is spent in the service of God's religion and the spread of it. Otherwise, even if a man became the king of the entire world, and partook of the endless luxury that were only possible to royalty, even then that would not be of any pleasure. Instead, it would be a kind of torment, which would reveal itself sometimes immediately and sometimes afterwards. Now, this is precisely why the wealthy, the rich, the powerful, who have every material luxury, are always found engrossed in drug abuse, alcoholism, and depression. And in order to change this reality, we have to bring about a transformation of the entire world. Hazrat al-Muslim says, for the propagation of Islam, we need thousands. In fact, we need hundreds of thousands of missionaries. And when such missionaries will disperse in the land with righteousness, and sincerity to preach Islam, at that point, the entire world will accept Islam. And the seeds of rancor, crookedness, and mischief will be finally removed, and peace will be established. Hazrat al-Muslim in another place writes, how fiercely he is in search of missionaries. He says, do you have the guts to say yes when the entire world says no? Do you know what it means to speak the truth so much so that you never tell a lie at any cost? He says, if you are such a person, where are you? A servant of God is in search for you for a long time. Oh, Ahmadi young man, find this person in your state, in your city, in your area, in your house, and into your heart. So to all the youth listening, I say make this your calling and take the leap of faith. And don't be concerned with what others will say. Sacrificing your life 
is a great honor and blessing. Because let's be honest, life is short. We aspire for so much only to have everything pass by within the blink of an eye. Devote your lives for a greater cause, for Islam. And to reinforce this resolve, trust in Allah. Connect with your Khalifa and make all the right choices that will help strengthen your commitment and your decision of waqf or devotion. And to all the parents, I would like to tell you that if you see goodness of a high caliber in your child, encourage them to devote their lives for this cause. It's true, here in America, we can be all that you want to be, anything. The sky is the limit. But you can bring about that transformation if you encourage goodness and life devotion into the hearts of your children. In the end, I would say that if for whatever reason you or your child is worried, there is a very simple solution. My advice to you is take your hand and put it in your pocket and take out that coin and look at the inscription and remember those words. In God we trust. Wa akhiru dawana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.